All right. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. It was about a year ago today that I got released from the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we launched this podcast with the intention of exploring how different people have made it through life's unexpected events. I have lost my job, been released from nine different NFL teams, and it hasn't been easy for me, and I've grown and matured through the process. And in this episode, I wanted to bring you guys an interview where I sit down with the guy that I was competing with in the Redskins training camp. And so if you guys don't know my story, I was picked up by the Washington Redskins to play the last three games of uh, the 2018 season. It had been my goal, and I'd worked for it for four years, and finally this dream came true. So I've been with the Redskins ever since. And it was because Nick Sundberg, who had been the 10-year vet, was injured. So now he's back and healthy, and him and I are competing for this one roster spot. And I wanted to bring this interview to you guys so that you could understand the dynamics of what it's like to spend eight hours a day with the person that might take your job or you might take their job. And I think that this interview accomplished that. You'll kind of catch those dynamics and, and see the, the ins and outs of what it's like to be competing for an NFL roster spot and what it takes to make that happen. So I was hounding Nick to make this happen because you never know when you could get cut from an NFL team. It could be at breakfast. It could be 10 years from now, it could be whenever, literally whenever. And so I was like, Nick, we got to get this done. We got to get this done. And so we finally did it. And we finished the interview at about 4 p.m. on a Thursday. And he had missed calls from the punter and the special teams coach. And I saw him, he, he picked up his phone right after we were done with the interview. And I saw him look at these missed calls and his face goes flush. And there's this feeling that, man, Maybe he got released, but it was an hour and a half after that, that I got a call from the scouting department, um, notifying me of my release and ended my time with the Redskins. I really enjoyed my time in Washington. Couldn't be more thankful. I accomplished my dream of playing in the NFL and I got an accredited season and I made some wonderful friends. And, uh, ultimately I, I feel like I grew to be a better man. So thank you, Washington. Thank you to all the fans who showed up and supported me. Had so much fun getting to know you guys and uh, couldn't be more thankful. But now it's on to the next chapter. And in relation to this podcast, it's what's next for me? How do I deal with this unexpected event? Um, and so there's, there's more episodes to come to help us tackle that. But I'm excited to be with Sean as she goes through this pregnancy journey. And we'll go through, through it together. But here's the interview with Nick Sundberg, the man that I was fighting with and against to earn the one roster spot on an NFL roster for a long snapper. So enjoy this one with Nick Stumberg. If you guys haven't yet, make sure you hit the subscribe button, give the show a rating. I uh, would love to have you stick around and would love to hear what you guys think of this. It is our goal to help and encourage others to make it through whatever unexpected events that they might be going through. We would love to have you stick around. So here we go. Let's just, let me just start off with this question on a scale of like, Tanya Harding physical injury to like f psychological warfare. Like what's your strategy going into this competition? You versus me camp. So I was really lucky when I was my first year in Washington. Okay. Okay. So, um, I don't know if you know this story, but the team didn't resign the snapper that was here before me. He was like 40 or 41 years old. Ethan Albright. He played Legend. for, played forever. Right. 
So he needed, I think, a back surgery, a hip surgery, and a, a wrist surgery or something after that 2009 season. So they just decided not to re-sign him. So when I got the call from Washington, they said, hey, we want to sign you and only you. You're going to be the guy. It's wow. your job to lose. And now I was coming off a season. I'd only played in the UFL. I was on Baltimore's practice squad. I was a nobody, really, at the time. But I was like, sounds like a pretty sweet opportunity, right? Just don't screw it up. Yeah. I came in and had the worst three months snapping I've ever had in my entire really? life. It was unbelievable, yeah. Uh, our punter, they had signed a new punter. He, they just had a baby in Oregon. He decided not to show up to OTAs at all. No way. So we had two kickers at the time, Graham Gano and Justin Medlock, a righty and a lefty, and they were holding for each other during team field goal periods. What? It was a nightmare. I was trying, trying to baby the ball back there and be perfect for them, and it just destroyed me mentally. Yeah. Play, snapped terribly. Thought I was getting cut every day. And I had Danny Smith at the time, the special teams coach, who was a complete nutball. Yeah. Um, but so fast forward a little bit, we get into to training camp. And I've kind of turned things around. Punter's there. Mm -hmm. Feeling a little better about myself. Play our first, first preseason game against Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but the first preseason game in special teams is, is – kind of a cakewalk for a punt team right you, you don't get any real you don't get any exotic looks you might get one seven box look it's kind of a joke yeah so I feel like I had a pretty good game day after the game they signed an 11-year vet mm. so I was like well maybe I didn't have that good a game right <laughs> so I'm reevaluating my life uh <laughs> my entire life. <laughs> my entire life so I uh James Durth was the gentleman's name played played with the Jets for 11 years I believe Jeez. awesome guy just a great dude came in shook my hand the first time we met and just said hey man i watched yes like the game like you you played great i don't even know why i'm here i was like well what do you mean he's like well i understand you know they they, they might want some competition or something but he's like this is your job to lose he's like you if you ever have any questions you want to talk about protection footwork you want to talk about mm -hmm. reading coverages that sort of stuff like i'm an open book mm -hmm. and i was like yep He's like, what? Right now. Let's go. <laughs> I was yeah. like, let's go. Come talk to me about all sorts of stuff. And he was amazing. He was the most just giving and kind of selfless person that I'd, I'd really ever met in the business to the, up, up, up until that point. And because of his, the way that he treated me when I was so young, I decided that like I was never going to treat somebody that I'm competing with in a, in a, in a, in a terrible way. Right. So, um, like I want to help as much as I can. And I understand that this is a business and it, it is a competition, but at the end of the day, like I want, I want to get good tape on film and I want you to get good tape on film because we both can play in the NFL. We've both proven that. Right. So if yeah. you win this job, I want to have good tape so I can go get a job somewhere else. If I win this job, I want you to have good tape so you can go get a job somewhere else. So if there's stuff that you want to fine tune, like, I mean, we've been working together for the past five months now yeah. through OTAs and that stuff. And I feel like I don't want to step on your toes, but when I see something like, hey, I think this might help you out a little bit, I wanna, I'm going to say it, right? And do you feel like I've been open that way with you? I was about to say, to your credit, I feel like you've done a phenomenal job at being generous and selfless and coaching me up where you see I have faults. And so... It's not I, necessarily false. I don't want no, no right. I, well, well, you you have however many more years of experience that sure. I don't have, and you have shared that with me selflessly, and it's appreciated. I've had, 
I mean, you've you've had guys come try out, and you've tried out against other guys, and you know that there's been awkward interactions of like a guy who, you know, like wouldn't wouldn't have a conversation with you or was like kind of disrespectful in some senses. Right, and the way I looked at this was I never wanted say 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 I win this job, right? I don't want you to leave here and be like, man, Nick was the biggest asshole to me. Yeah. And he's such a jerk and all this. Like, we could have had a great relationship, because, but because of the way that he treated me, man, I'll never talk to that guy again, right? Like, right. I don't – I want you to invite me on your podcast. Hey. <laughs> right? I appreciate so, you being on. And I, I wanted to do this episode. I know it's it's kind of weird. I don't know if, if we told our all our teammates, like, what they would think about it because there's kind of this old-school football mentality of, like, you versus me and – at the end of the day, only one of us is going to have the job, and I want to talk about that. But I don't want to speak out of line. I, I would consider us friends. Yeah, man. Which, I mean, I, agree spend, with that. I, was, I was trying to do the math. I think it's like four to six hours together for the past, you know, I mean, for Five, sure. Yeah. It's a lot of time. I mean, you've been to my together. house. You've eaten tacos in my kitchen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You pet my dog. Yeah. So I wouldn't have invited you over if, you, if I didn't think you were a friend, right? It's just, it's, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. If we could back up though, for the people yeah. listening who maybe don't know what a long snapper is, I'm curious, since you've been doing this, this is now your 10th season? 10th in Washington, 11 10th. out of college, yeah. Wow. How do you describe what your position is to people who don't know football that well? The most simple way to do it, because everybody knows what a punter is. Yeah. So I said, you know what a punter is? They said, yeah. Well, you know how he catches the ball? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, who throws it to him? Oh, you're that guy. That guy, right? Simple as that. So we get to expand a little more. Anywhere from is it fair to say like seven to twelve plays a game? Eight to twelve? Yeah, I think over my career I've averaged around. I want to say eight. Eight's a really good number. <laughs> um, and you all you hope they're all PATs and field goals. <laughs> yeah. uh, but generally, it works out to around eight a game. Yeah. Yeah, and. That being the case, there's not a high risk of fatigue or of injury. It's a very specialty position, and that's part of the reason why there is only one on the roster. Correct. And that's why my mom's okay with me doing it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big perk for sure. Absolutely. Um, But if you could describe, because you have way more experience than I do, the situation that we're in now where we're about to be in our second week of camp and no cuts have been made. So we're, we have a 90-man roster. They're ultimately going to uh, whittle that down. What, what's the process like and, and what's going on between our competition now for those people who might not know the ins and outs of the NFL? I mean, the process right now is just getting ready to play Cleveland, in my mind. Interesting. Right? So Interesting. Um, I, this is only the second time in my career I've ever had competition. I was so, going to ask that. Yeah. My first year and, or I guess technically my second year and my 11th. So huh. um, I look at it as I'm trying to do everything I can to be as ready as possible for week one of the preseason. And I'm trying to do everything I can to help you be as ready as possible for week one of the preseason. I have no idea because we, we, how we're going to split reps or do any of that stuff yet. Um, but we'll figure that out along the way. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's our job to help Tress, our punter, and Dustin, our kicker, be their best selves. And so regardless of who's in the game, I want them to perform at their best ability, right? Yeah. So right now, I'm doing my best. 
to be my best so I can help them be their best. And I want to do my best to help you be your best so you can help them be their best, right? Yeah, no, that's that's really good insight into your mentality. And I appreciate. I, I just learned something <laughs> because it's hard for me to – or sorry, it's easy for me to, to look past Cleveland and think about like eh, – like I wanted, I told you I wanted to do this interview ASAP because you know I don't know when I could get cut, when I couldn't, and that, given my experience, and I want to j- jump into yours, but I've been cut. This is now my seventh different professional team over five years, eight different, nine different contracts. I think I've conditioned myself. This is a bad thing to like expect the that. worst. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Which is which is not a good mentality, and I don't take pride in that. I'm just saying. Yes, 100%. I know that my job is to take care of Tress and to take care of Dustin. And if I don't do that, there's like, I don't know if you feel this, like a guilt of like. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like that's I my whole job. I hate putting them in terrible <laughs> yeah. situations. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and Tress is so good and, and so. Forgiving. Forgiving and easy. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's really good at making you feel better. Because, you know, so Tress and I have played together for five years. And every once in a while I'll throw a snap back that I'm very unhappy with and he'll be like hey man i get paid too and you're like you know what you sure do yeah it's like you don't have to be perfect every time like i get it but that's what i'm striving for yeah. right so yeah. um he's really really good at at even at some, at times where we don't put ourselves in the best situation to look the best he makes up for it on the back end so um but you know going back to what you're saying about kind of conditioning yourself for whatever mental whatever mentality that is the advice that I would give you is every specialist journey is their own journey, right? And I've met quite a few other guys who've got much longer journeys than you do. Uh, I think Billy Cundiff was on like 11 or 12 teams before he ever no played a way. game. Yes. Oh, my god! Started his first game at 28 or something like that. Like Jeez. crazy. He's got a crazy story. Played on more than half the NFL team. Like unbelievable but uh it's hard we play a very tough position there are 32 jobs right so and if you think about it like i'm i've been here for nine years the guy in uh in miami has been going into year 16 i think right giants is 15 uh dallas is 15 you know you got some old guys who've had jobs for a long time so it's not like hey there's 32 jobs but you know seven or eight open a year like maybe one or two open a year right so you know it's all about what i've learned especially in my journey was everything is about timing luck and having a coach that's willing to take a chance on you and at the end of the day timing when somebody's retiring or too hurt to play or, you know, the team is just – is the guy's too expensive and they want to make a move. <clears throat> Luck, you know, that's how I got a scholarship to college. The kid who was supposed to snap towards ACL, right? So, like, things happen sometimes and you're, you just happen to be in the right place at the right time. And then having a coach that's willing to take a chance on you, at the end of the day, I don't know if – you know, how versed your, your listeners are to – the thought processes of NFL coaches, but especially with special teams coaches and specialists, the biggest thing that they think, like the biggest question they ask themselves is, can I sleep well on Saturday night? Yeah. Knowing that you're the guy 
And if the answer to that question is yes, you can have a job for a long time, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, the, you know, I wouldn't get so hung up on like, man, I've had this long journey. Shoot, I'd be proud of it, especially because you have accredited season under your belt at this point now, right? Yeah. So the journey is just beginning. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And um, I, I don't say that my expectations of my NFL career have definitely shifted and adjusted just because I haven't made it for, or I, it took me five years to finally get a credited season. But like, if I hadn't gone through that, we wouldn't be sitting, I wouldn't be interested in what we're doing now and like sure. putting out this show or like, yeah, everything happens the, for a reason, right? Yeah. Um, you mentioned the workout circuit and what happens is there's like 53 guys that make the active, Active. Active roster on every team. So 53 times 32, that's what, let's just say 16. 16 something. Yeah. 1,600 players. And then there's probably a pool of 400 guys on a workout circuit, like just estimate. Well, each team also has 10 practice squad players. Okay. So you got 320 other practice squad players, so right? So just about two grand, two two thousand in the NFL signed to a team. Correct. And then there's like. There's a lot of guys on the workout train I who guess. are like in this pool of players who may or may not be good enough or may or may not have the right timing to be signed to a team um and that's what i've been on the past five years but they're they're also probably guys who were on the 90-man roster which is what's going on now so right so there's the 90-man roster that ultimately gets whittled down to like 53 is it after four preseason games now yeah there's only one cut now it used to be during OTAs, they would do two to two sets of cuts during OTAs. It would go from, I think, 90 to 83, 83 to 75, and we'd come to training camp with 75, and then after the second preseason game, they'd cut to 60, 66, I think, and then after the fourth, they'd cut to 53, and now they just do one cut at the end, 90 to 53, and then sign 10 practice squad guys. Right at, like, the, like the next same, day, yeah. yeah. The, there's a bunch of like contractual nuances. Nick, you're actually you're the NFL PA rep for the team. I am the PA rep for the Washington Redskins. So you yes, get sir. some unique insight where this is something that you don't really understand until I feel like you're a player, like really deep into the NFL. Of like it's really the NFL, and I don't want to say versus, but it's a completely different entity. Of, it's versus. You you say versus? Absolutely. Okay. I, I don't want to put that word in your it's mouth. It's true. NFL versus the NFL PA, which is all of the players combined. It's a union. Yeah, um, it's it is it is a very interesting dynamic because we as players we want to work with the NFL like we want we want to be equal share partners. We all have the same interest in mind, right? Like we want to as players we want to make as much money as we can to support our families for the rest of our lives, that sort of thing. If we are able to be in, in that situation where we can make enough to, you know, so our kids can be set, that sort of thing. Most. The majority of players are not in that situation. So just a heads up, uh, I think it's almost 70% of the NFL are on minimum contracts. So this thought process of like, oh, all NFL players are millionaires, um, it, it's just far-fetched. You know, it's just not true. Not to say that we don't make a, a good living as a minimum I'm not. I'm not – I'm absolutely not saying that we don't make a good living. But, the. I mean, if you ever <laughs> – if you ever get on social media after a football game and watch <laughs> people tear down guys because they had a bad game for their fantasy team, I think it's time. I mean, fans at some point have to realize, like, look, man, not all of us make 
$10 million a year and can just walk away from the game at any time. Like I'm, yeah. you know, I, I make a wonderful living. We all do, but there's a very, very big difference from the top to the bottom. And there's a, a huge gap in the middle that doesn't exist. You know, like they're, the middle class in the NFL has faded since in this last CBA because of the way that owners and GMs had to have decided to structure contracts for the five big guys and everybody else is kind of just at the bottom. There's five big guys. Oh, is that, is that yeah. Interesting. I didn't know I mean, quarterback. Generally it's quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher. You call it like corner receiver or, and you kind of can huh. play with those last two, but, so when people ask me, like, they're like, hey, man, so uh, are you on the Redskins this season? Like, should I buy my tickets? Again, different mindset than you have. But, like, it's, it's a kind of a convoluted answer because I, I haven't told anybody to buy tickets. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Like, here's it. For the last <laughs> nine years of my career, I tell them to wait till the week of. Yeah, well, you know what I mean? Because anything can happen at any moment, right? I've been hurt three times, three seasons in my career I've been hurt at different times so i'm sorry four seasons uh i've missed games so um you never know right i I always try to tell people like there's really only i think i usually say like six or seven guys that are like shoe-ins absolutely you know of like these guys are gonna be on the team everybody else is kind of this like hodgepodge of they might be on the redskins this week or the ravens next week or whatever like it's just like this mix of you know yeah there's a core of guys that you could definitively say like they're gonna be here and there's generally a couple reasons why sometimes it's talent like they're above and beyond better than their the guy that they're competing with most of the time it's contract like they make too they make too much money to cut at this year right like we've given them to the team has given them too much guaranteed money Mm -hmm. to release them right now so they're probably going to be here for at least this year depending on the way the contract is structured right structured right uh, but, yeah, there's definitely a, a pool of players that are for sure going to be here. And then there's uh, the rest of the guys that are like, well, anything can happen at any time. The first line of every NFL contract is you can be released at any time for any reason. Yeah, so, if you don't meet the club's ex- expectations, right. I think, is something so, like the verbiage. You know, people ask me all the time, too. I mean, over the last 10 years, have asked all the time, like, in – june when or in (laughs) april when the schedule comes out hey can i come to the dallas game you can go (laughs) whether or not i'm there is still up in the air but yeah you can absolutely go (laughs) you know what i mean yeah um but it 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 is an interesting dynamic you know what i mean yeah so the only the only sports that have guaranteed contracts are mlb well money wise mlb and basketball is that right hockey too Hockey is guaranteed? I think so, yeah. Man, I did not know that. So, like, my first year I signed with the Chiefs. I don't know if you know the story. I was like, they literally, the coach was like, you're our guy. We're going to bring in competition because you're a rookie, but, like, you're our guy. So I signed a four-year deal um, and literally, like, had a mental dog. I just wasn't ready. It's like a different... I wasn't ready my first year either, yeah. Bro, it's why I got cut in Carolina. I was absolutely not ready. <laughs> first time in my it's entire jump, life I was man. told I wasn't good enough, and it would absolutely destroyed my menta- my psyche. Dude, I was snapping with gloves on. I'd never done that. I was like, why? I, just don't ask me, man. I was a different person back just then. Just all swagged out. Andrew trying to be cool. No, the coach the first day was like, hey, you might want to like try snapping with gloves on. It gets cold up here. And I was like, okay. And then I did it once in practice, and I was like, well, I can't not do it now because I'm like, <laughs> anyway, it was a bad, it was Things a bad happen. spot. Yeah, it we, was a bad spot. Specialists tend to get in our own heads. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's, 
that's the interesting thing about I, I compare specialists to like golfers where it's like really we barely play football. Like we put on pads in the same jerseys as everybody else, but like it's kind of our own game mm-hmm. within the game. Like especially kicker and punter. Especially like we'll run down the field on punt, which is now we're part of the action. But like really you have a a static start if you're a snapper just like golf where it's like there's no inertia or like mm-hmm. uh, dynamic movement ahead of time and then it's just you in, in control of your own destiny right it's like <laughs> which is beautiful but it's also it can also mentally really shake you up a little bit yeah um and that was something that i struggled with for my first two or three years here uh getting out of my own way was really difficult for me because I was trying so hard to be perfect that if anything was just the slightest bit off, it would wreck me, yeah. you know? And I'd, I would think about it for days after the game, like, Oh, my footwork wasn't great on this yeah. play. And I was on the, you know, this guy was on my edge or on this field goal snap, it was a little bit in, you know, six inches inside or whatever it may be. And it would just eat at me. And it took uh, my punter at the time, Sav Raka, uh, he was he played Australian rules football for 15 years before he came over no here. No way. Then played in the NFL for seven years. But if yeah, it took him just being like, "Hey man, forget about it." And I was like, "What?" He's like, "Who gives?" Right? Yeah. I was like, "Hmm. Okay." <laughs> you know, like, yeah. "All right, I guess." And then I just started forgetting about it and was like, "I got so much better because I was just like, whatever happens, happens, and yeah. we'll deal with it after, right?" Like, yeah. Good or bad, whatever happens, happens. You just kind of you move forward yeah. and hope for the best. So that's been, I think, how I've progressed in my time in the NFL is because you don't – I used to be out there, like, snapping hundreds of balls a day because I'm like – you have this mentality of the more practice, the better. But then, like, physically it just – It wears on you. And so my mentality now is, like, just the reps that I do get. So we probably snap 30 balls a day. 40 depends on the day yeah 30 to 50 yeah that range ish just go all out on those and like don't overthink it just wing it like yeah or, or don't wing it but just like trust you as an athlete trust the practice that you've put into this point yeah so. one of the things that was really vital in in my i guess um maturation process <laughs> right of like as a snapper yeah was trusting my abilities, yeah. right? Like understanding that, you know, I've snapped a ball hundreds and hundreds of thousands of times at this point. Like trust your muscle memory. Yeah. Turn your brain off and let your body do the work and everything's going to be just fine. Like turn up, like shut out the noise or block out the noise and just snap. Yeah. Like just snap. Like my mom texted me that before every game. Really? Mm-hmm. Shut up and snap. Wow. Like, Okay. <laughs> those are like wise words right like so hey just snap like okay i will you know <laughs> you know it's like yeah. all right as simple as that like just snap don't think about anything else just snap the football you've done it a million times you'll be just fine tress said something that i've since repeated to myself and to others but don't take the athlete out of it mm-hmm. which i think is such a applicable saying absolutely um I want to stop for a second and give a shout out to Himalaya. Himalaya is my favorite app to listen to podcasts on. And not only do they have a truly beautiful interface, they also have great search and discover features to help you find new shows. And then they also have some really creative and unique ways for you to help support creators and interact with those creators. So, 
Thank you, Himalaya. Be sure to check them out and follow me if you get the chance. Support for today's episode comes from Skillshare, which is an online learning community for creators. With more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more, you'll discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity, and career. Take classes in social media marketing, mobile photography, creative writing, or even illustration. Whether you're looking to discover a new passion, start a side hustle, or gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right, Skillshare is offering redirect listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com East. Again, go to Skillshare.com East to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com East. You mentioned that 70% or around I mean, that? Yeah, it's like 65, 70, something like that. Of players are on a minimum contract. So if we could discuss the factors that go into how a player makes the roster or doesn't, I think that'd be interesting. So you mentioned money is obviously a big one. Salary cap. Performance. Mm-hmm. How much do you think like off the field? Uh, that's right where I was going. <laughs> uh, so there's a, sc- there's a scale, right? It depends on the player and and the the uh, whatever they did, right? Um, but let's just say, well, let's just say we're talking about character in general, and, and like somebody's, uh, if somebody's, I guess, like high maintenance, right? Like as a player, so like what coaches deal with or are willing to put up with is on a scale, right? If your performance is up here. What a coach is willing to put up with is also up here. Yeah. But as soon as this starts to drop, so does this. Yeah. So as long as your performance stays up here, talking about like guys that are like Antonio Brown, who's his sometimes is kind of high maintenance. Kind of high maintenance, right? <laughs> that I mean, that's at least the way it looks from the outside looking in, right? He's never been my teammate. I don't know, but that's the way he's painted, right? Yeah. Um, or a guy like Marquette King, like the punter who was in Oakland and Denver, right? He's dancing on the field and, you know, getting getting 15-yard penalties, right? Well, as long as you're bombing the ball in, in the top five punting average and net every year, like, they'll put up with all that stuff because your performance is up here, so they'll put up yeah. with this. But as soon as your performance starts to drop, everything else does. So, that, like, you're talking about off-the-field stuff. It's kind of similar. Like, as long as your performance is where it's supposed to be, it seems to put up with quite a bit. But as, if the, as soon as that performance starts to drop, man. Pff. Yeah. So it's um, tough. Do you think that – it goes the opposite way too, though, of like, hey, your performance might be here, but your off the field stuff is here, so maybe, th- like, we'll give you a little more credit in the performance area. Performance off is the a field stuff, as in the good things you do. Well, so I do want to talk about loads of love. Which we is can do that, yeah. We'll revisit that if you don't mind. Sure. Um, because I, I think that's an. You want to do a second part? No, I'm oh, talking about like in, in like five minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> if, if you're good with, yeah, we can do that. If you're good with that, but like, does it does it help you make the squad as a charitable, like you're this pillar in the community kind of guy? You know, uh, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the biggest factor is performance. So if I go out there and then money, correct? Yeah. So interesting, right? And that's one of the things that I try and teach. To try and teach i try and kind of get across to younger guys especially at, at positions that can be graded like one to 32 
Um, like a lot of guys want to be, I want to be in the top three highest paid kickers, for example, right? Yeah. Like that sounds awesome. Yeah. You go sign a five-year deal for $25 million or whatever. That's great. But now you're the highest paid kicker. So you mm. better perform like it. If you have a year where you perform as the third best kicker, now you're overpaid. Mm-hmm. Right? Or you're the number two and you perform as three or four or five. Like yeah. you're still the, you still have the fifth best season in the NFL, but you're overpaid. Right? So like. Wow. That's interesting. So where's that middle ground where like, hey, I'm totally fine being like eight, <laughs> nine, 10, 11. And yeah. I might perform as four, five, six, seven. Yeah. But I also might have a year where I finish 12, 13. Who knows? There's a ton of factors that, that come into play, right? Yeah. So it, it's interesting, and I think a lot of guys price themselves out of this league too. So you kind of just mentioned that twice. Of um, it's, There's a difference. In our position, you don't want to bring too much attention to yourself contractually or like you mentioned Marquette, who is a friend of mine. I love Marquette. I love Marquette too. He'll be on the show soon. Um, Dressed like a Power Ranger. But, like, the fans love that from Marquette. Yeah, everybody the, did, right. The coaches, though. Well, I don't think the, the former coaching staff minded, but Gruden, John Gruden <laughs> was not a fan of that stuff. Right. And he was making a lot of money. Yeah. So, you know, I there was it's a give tough. and take with all those yeah. things, and they decided to go in a different direction. Yeah. And that was their decision, um, which didn't pay out for them. The decision makers – it varies a little bit from team to team from my understanding, mm-hmm. but like coaches and then scouts, like everybody, ha- everybody has a voice. So you've got an entire scouting department that consists of multiple departments under that, but you've got college scouting, pro scouting, you've got, you know, like all, all, so you have guys, you have regional scouts that never come to the facility. They just stay in the Southeast or the Northwest or whatever. Right. And they, they scout college guys in that area. Um, so you've got a college scouting department that has little branches in it. And then you've got a pro scouting department that's got all sorts of different branches in it too. So you've got guys who sold jobs, sold jobs are to look at back end of roster guys on other teams. Like, Hey, if this guy gets cut, like we need, we, we should pick him up because he's better, you know, you know, stuff like that. But so every scout has a voice or the ones that the scouting department has a voice. Yeah. Then the coaching staff has a voice. Each voice holds a different amount of weight. Mm-hmm especially in, in the departments, but, you know, Jay's coach, coach Gruden's voice holds a lot more than, you know, some other guys, but <laughs> at the end of the day, then you've got on our team, Doug Williams and Bruce Allen, right. And Eric Schaefer and some other higher ups that also have a voice. And so I think they collab. I don't know who has final say, but I but- think, Right, like I think they collab yeah. and they try and try and come to agreement. Majority this, majority that, that sort of thing, and and they make decisions that way. Yeah. But it's it is a very interesting dynamic because we we don't necessarily have like a, a a somebody whose title is GM here, like like a lot of teams do. So there's not like a, and other teams, the GM is the person that says this guy's on, this guy's off. Well, they, generally the that's how it would be, yeah. even, or at least when it comes to drafting players, like they, I think the GM has the biggest voice in in putting together the roster. Yeah. But when it comes up to when it comes to, you know, getting to the final fifty three, I think the coaches have a lot more say in that. Like especially because of scheme and other you know, like 
that sort of thing. And, and individual position coaches have a say because they spend so much time with their guys. They know who can and can't do what and yeah. who's who pays attention in meetings and who, you know, who, all that sort of thing. So there's a, there's a so much more that goes into it than I ever could ever, ever understood. And still than, than I ever could know. Yeah. You know what I mean? At this point, that's all, that's all, that's all way above my pay grade. Well, yeah, there was my rookie year. I was like super concerned about like, like who do I need to talk to or who like do I impress or like who do I need to be? Who are you with? brown nosing? You mean? <laughs> yeah, this guy. I'll this say guy. I'll say I'm better at that than you are. But <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But but then at the end of the day, you realize like, nope, performance is, is absolutely like, like that's all I need to worry about. That's yep. all that really matters for me. Um, the way that the player is informed when the, these people make a decision is known as a grim reaper. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, within the locker room. But like you'll be, it could be at any time, literally at lunch, after practice, right after you wake up that you could get a call or you'll see somebody walk up to you usually with like a sad face on and they'll be like, Hey, can we talk real quick? And then literally it's like two hours later, you're on a flight. So you want to hear how I got um, cut in Carolina? Yeah. Tell me. I'm curious. We were in between, uh, we had two padded practices that day, finished the first one, had lunch. We had meetings, went to meetings, and I was like, you know what? We've got like three hours till our next practice. You know what I really need? It was so hot down in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And I was like, I need some soft serve. They had a soft serve machine in the cafeteria at this little rinky-dink college that we were staying at. I'm going to go get myself a nice, a nice vanilla ice cream. And I'm like, I grab the door handle to go in the door, and I just hear, hey, Nick. Oh, no. And I turn, I'm like, no. Yeah. I'm like, hey, a uh, uh, coach wants to see you. I'm like, stop. Oh, sure. Like, what are they talking about? I'm like. He's like, bring your playbook. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. Like, I was like, for what? Right? Like, I was so dumb. Oh, no. I was like, I'm just going to get an ice cream cone real quick. He's like, no, you're going to come down. I was like, oh, got it. Oh, my gosh. Haven't had soft serve since. Really? Not just kidding. I was about to say, geez, man. What did carry that scar? Totally scorned. No, I'm just kidding. Man, I remember the Chiefs called me, and I legit, like, tried to screen their call, like, not pick up. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work. Doesn't work. And then I need to talk to you about this because you know if this is, like, legal or not i legit got cut via twitter i have i have still to this day not spoken to the people in this organization i found out online i mean it's not illegal but well, they sh- or like contr- like how does it they should have told you <laughs> you know what i mean i think i saw a, my name in a real, mention and i was like it's oh, a real gosh. uh i'm not allowed to cuss <laughs> no, i'm kidding dude but uh it's a real oh, messed up thing to do yeah. to a player. I'm a big fan of like – It's professional. Everybody yeah, says being it. being professional. Like, hey, at the end of the day, we all understand what we're signing up for. We all understand that this job can be taken away or given at any, right, at any point. So, like, if you're going to cut me, like, call me in your office. Let's have a conversation and cut me. Like, don't – please. That's what, that's what I'm asking. Like, yeah. let's – we're all adults here. Like, let's have an adult conversation and then let me be on my merry way. But, like, yeah. because I'm not trying to burn any bridges and I don't want, you know, like, coaches all talk, right? So, like, yeah. if I'm trying to get a job somewhere else, like, I want to make, I want to leave with a, leave these coaches with a good impression of me on my way out, that sort of thing. And so it every time I've been cut, I went to the head coach head coach's office and said, thank you know, thank you for yeah. this opportunity. I really appreciate it. I learned so much from you, that sort of thing. And, um, but, yeah, I you're not the first person I've talked to who's been cut out, who who's found out that they were released on Twitter. It's, and I think it's, I do think it's kind of, kind of messed up. Yeah. Um, it's because of this. Um, I don't know what the word is. The spontaneity that they can, that the decision makers can make the decision that makes Sean and I's fall 
every year like impossible to plan because we're I'm doing a workout potentially every other week, right? You know, or like, oh, am I going to be in DC or whatever? Right. So there's that whole like lifestyle side of it that is probably a whole nother podcast. Um, <laughs> I want to I want to transition now. I've never told you this, and I probably will never again say this outside of this podcast. And so you're just gonna tell everybody though. You're a phenomenal snapper. Like, oh, thanks, man. <laughs> I was talking to Tress. I was like, dog, Nick's freaking good, man. He's good. Like, I guess. Oh, well, let's let's do that real quick. Your strong suits versus mine. Sure. Your accuracy. My ability to snap the football is my strongest suit. Probably unparalleled. My, or my strongest attribute. Correct. And when we say that, I'm talking accuracy, Velocity. speed, mm-hmm. and then just like the consistency. It's like fantastic. Mm-hmm. The, the spiral, the comfort for the punter, I think, plays into that. Where I lack, and I have my entire career, is uh, quickness with my feet. Um, because I've played for a long time, I can recognize uh, who I have to block pretty quickly so i'm able to get in position but a lot of times i'm i'm beat and have to fight uh with a guy more than i should have to um and then i'm not i don't run a 4-4 so um what i've learned to do and is read returns and just happen to end up you know like as you're as you start running downfield you can diagnose where guys are going and i try and just end up where the returner is going to be um, but I'm not great in coverage by any means, right? Although, yeah, you, yeah, you, you get the job done though. Um, yeah, I would say your feet are absolutely better than mine. And then my my snapping like gets me. It, it's a, like I'm qualified. I'm not like the best. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I like I'm qualified. I'm not. I'll admit I'm not the number one guy out there. Like wow, that guy's a legit beautiful long snapper you know what i'm saying and then uh, like athleticism has tended to be something that i've heard positive feedback on i used to take a lot of pride in my strength um but you've humbled me in that so <laughs> i've gotten absolutely crushed in the weight room um sorry so you are because i'm old now <laughs> it's called old man strength <laughs> you're freaking strong dude <laughs> so you're you're a phenomenal snapper we talked about like really from a relationship standpoint you i feel like you treat people really well um but you also have recently started loads of love or maybe not so recently i would love for you to talk to us about that organization sure so if you've never heard of it uh my wife floor and i through the redskins charitable foundation helped start a program called loads of love and what we do is we build laundry centers in schools so it could be elementary middle high schools and nonprofits. um the goal is to um, get kids to go to school because we found out that, uh, unfortunately, a lot of kids aren't going to school because they don't have clean clothes. All right, so basically the gist of it is my wife and I were sitting on the couch one night and she came across this article on social media. Um, Whirlpool, the washer and dryer company, had done a study. They put three washers and dryers in elementary schools in hmm. California, down in L.A., and then in somewhere in Missouri. Um, and they went to these schools and asked for a list of their most at-risk kids. So every homeless kid, any kid on free and reduced lunch, uh, 
basically all the kids with the most unexcused absences. And they put them in this program where every single day of the school year, the kids could bring a bag of dirty clothes and drop it off in the morning. And there were no restrictions on what the kids could bring. So um, if it's a uniform school, it was uniforms or other clothes that they wouldn't wear to school. Um, and then if mom and dad needed a work shirt done, if little brother or sister, older brother or sister needed something washed, I throw it in the bag. And at some point during the day, a teacher on their off period, a front of front office member, a PTA member volunteers to come in. And, you know, if there's a bunch of bags sitting there, you throw them in the washer. Next person that comes in, throws them in the dryer. Next person that comes in, if you've got time to fold three bags full of clothes, you fold three bags full of clothes. And they're in bags, so now the kids' clothes get mixed up. Um, and then at the end of the day, these kids get to pick up their freshly washed and folded clothes. At the end of the school year, they did ran the numbers and saw a 98% increase in attendance, an 89% increase in grades. Participation was through the roof. Confidence was through the roof. These kids are, you know, participating in after-school activities more. Um, they felt a part of a community. They felt taken care of. And I just, I was absolutely blown away that the solution to this giant problem that we have could be as simple as a washer and a dryer, right? So, um, wow. one of the things that really, really, you know, it's funny when you're younger, like you, when I was younger, I would try to, I've always done a lot of stuff with a charitable organization. They always have stuff on the board to do and you go read to kids or you go wherever. Right. And it was always fun, but I was never like truly passionate about every about anything. But I was always looking for something to be like, man, this is where I want to spend my time. And I had no idea that it would be washers and dryers, right? <laughs> so, um, but so what we did is we went to the charitable foundation here and said and just said, hey, like I don't know what it would cost, but please read this article and and tell me that this isn't something that we should do here, right? Like we're doing a disservice to the kids in our community by not offering a program like this. So. Floor and I fronted the money for our pilot program. We piloted in three elementary schools in PG County, which is where our stadium is, and two Sasha Bruce, uh, their shelters in D.C. that focus on families with young kids. Um, that was in 2017. And in 2018, we had a grant, pro we opened up a grant uh, and had schools apply to us, and we picked 42 schools we opened 42 new new location new loads of love locations last year um so right now we're at 47 and our goal for this year we actually just finished uh, our second round of grants we're going through applications right now to make to to, to pick hopefully 103 new locations wow. for this year we want to get to 150 by the end of december yeah Bro, that's freaking sweet man so we're opening up seven new ones tomorrow actually down here in richmond whoa yeah 10 to 10 to 12 if you want to come. Wow. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a ton. Uh, I, it's crazy. Uh, I never, I never thought that I would be passionate about washers and dryers, but it's, but one of the things that's kind of really drawn me and my wife to it is just, this isn't a region specific issue, right? So, you know, we're in Richmond right now. We were in Ashburn, Virginia. My wife is from the Central Valley of California. I'm from Phoenix. But it doesn't matter where you go, this issue, the issue is, is still the same, like getting kids to go to school, right? The reason for the issue of kids not going to school might be different place to place, mm -hmm. but the issue itself is, is the same. So like, you know, in D.C. or ba in some places of Baltimore, it might be government housing. And in the Central Valley of California, there's a ton of migrant farm workers who are moving from camp, labor camp to labor camp, right? So like who don't have don't have washers and dryers available or it doesn't matter where it is like in Loudoun County Virginia where we are it's the highest popular like one of the highest 
believe it's that their district has the most homeless kids of any district in the country, wow. which is wild. There's a third, a third highest housing, housing income or like third highest median housing income or whatever in the entire country. Jeez. It's crazy. The, the numbers are disgusting, but it doesn't matter where you are. The, the solution to the problem is the same. So like all you need is a wash and dryer. Hmm. And so um, it's been really eye-opening and, and a lot of fun, and we've and we I've learned a million. Uh, it's just so much. I thought it was easier than a washer and dryer. It's a whole lot harder than that. <laughs> I forgot. I totally forgot about like plumbing and HVAC and electric <laughs> and like oh, just installing this giant fire hazard in an elementary school. <laughs> talking about the dryer, right? Like so, there was a lot that went into it that the team's legal department had to help out with. But um, we've had a ton of fun with it. We've met a, a, so many just amazing kids throughout the process and. Um, I'm so excited to see kind of, I'm, I'm so excited to hopefully hit our goals for the end of the, for this, for this year. And that would put us in just over two years in 150 locations throughout the DMV. And so there are uh, over a thousand title one schools just in DC, Maryland and Virginia who are, um, eligible for this program. Can I pub this real quick? Hit it. Uh, redskins.com slash community. I would love you all to go check it out and just read about it. Um, the reason that my wife and I didn't start our own foundation and do this on our own is because I wanted to do stuff like this where you might live in Oregon and you're watching this podcast and say, Holy crap. Like this sounds like something that my niece and nephew's school could use. Like, I wonder if that's something we could do here. Absolutely. Like contact us. I'm at Nick Sundberg on Twitter. Like tweet me we will absolutely send you the blueprint to, to, to be able to do this at a school in your area. Um, we didn't want to pigeonhole this as like Nick, Nick and floor Sundberg's loads of love, right? Like, if you want to help kids in your area, please, I, I beg, beg you to help kids in your area. Uh, but if you want to learn more about the program, again, it's redskins.com slash community. If you want to help kids in our area, there's a donate tab there. It's, it's crazy, but like 50 bucks buys laundry detergent and all that stuff for a full year for one school. So like wow. the, you know, every single dollar counts. And especially with the Redskins charitable foundation, 100% of every donation goes straight to the programs and they have a bunch of other really awesome programs too. You can read up on those, but I'm super passionate about loads of love. I appreciate you giving me the platform. Right Dude, here to thanks talk for, about thanks yeah, for talking and thank you for walking the talk. You actually, what was it in June that you did a $25,000 match Yeah. for uh, like hats off to you, man. Thanks. Seriously. Man. Um, what are your goals today in life? I'm just kidding. <laughs> in life. Um, right now, Flora and I are working on trying to have kids. Um, Whoa, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I try not to think too far ahead. I've, I've always been kind of a, a one day at a time kind of guy, especially in this business where like you never know what can happen. Like we talked about earlier, like, I get asked all the time, like, how, how, how long do you want to play this game? Like, honestly, I'm just trying to make it to Cleveland, <laughs> right? So, like, yeah. and that's kind of been my thought process for a long time, just kind of week to week, day to, or day to day, week to week, that sort of thing. Um, I don't have a ton of, like, super long-term goals. Um, I do want to help grow Loads of Love to, like, a nationwide program. Um, that is absolutely up there for me. But in terms of, like, playing career, that sort of stuff, I've, I'm not too sure. Okay, that's fair. You think you'll you'll wear a sleeve someday or? No, no. <laughs> no I'm kidding. <laughs> only in only Makes the tank top guy. Only in New York when it was minus eight <laughs> with wind chill and oh, uh, that was terrible. Um, what advice do you have for young football players who want to make it to the NFL? Practice, uh, and I mean that that goes for any position really, but 
especially if you're a specialist, um, like hone your craft, whatever it is. And, and that's not even – doesn't even have to pigeonhole that into football players, right? Like if you play tennis, like hone your craft. You golf, hone your craft. Be the be your best self. We've, we're kind of – there's some things, some, uh, some things that are coming full circle here. But um, take, it, take every day one day at a time and be the best you can be every day. And that's all you can do, right? Like um, – when I was younger, I got very, I was very lucky that I had a coach that took snapping very seriously. And he was very, very hard on me. Uh, and all of us that he coaches, uh, we weren't allowed to miss a day. If we did, you weren't, you weren't welcome back. Right. So like I had to skip all my vacations with my parents. You know, when, when I was in, in high school, once he became my coach or friends are going to I was from Phoenix. Friends are driving down to Mexico, you know, leaving, leaving Thursday night, you know, that sort of thing. We're going to take a long three-day weekend. Like, well, I got a snap on Friday night. I can't go or else I can't go or else I'm not welcome back, right? Yeah. So, like, um, take pride in what you do and, and do it with, you know, everything you've got is, like, I think something that was, I don't want to say beaten into me, but drilled pretty hard into me when I was young, and uh, that's what I would pass on if I could. That's really good advice. I think you touched on it, but one thing I've been trying to work on is like, I think it's super important to have big ambitious goals, but don't lose the enjoyment of what you're achieving now on a day-to-day basis in that goal. You know what I'm saying? Like don't downplay like, Hey, I, I went to an, I practiced in an NFL practice today, or, you know, I, I, I made it through my high school practice today. Like whatever that small yeah. thing is, like just, there's, it, there's something good in that. Absolutely. And what I'd add to that is have fun. Yeah. That's my, uh, my biggest, one of the biggest things that I tell myself on a daily basis is to have fun because if you're not having fun, it's not worth doing. Right. Yeah. So, um, I want to enjoy what I do. Uh, that's why I rag on you and Tress and Hop so so much because I want you guys to laugh. I want you, you know, on Can days you stop like giving me a hard time. This guy's just so big into CrossFit; he's easy to make fun of, right? I so, get made fun of a lot. Uh, no, I'm just, but uh, you know, days like today, it's super hot outside. There's no wind. It's you know, it's it's easy to kind of fall into that trap of like, oh, poor me, this sucks. But like when you when you're having fun, all of that stuff, all those negatives kind of fade away yeah. and, you know, they kind of get, get put, pushed to the back burner. So I like when now when it's time to be serious, be serious, but, uh, have fun. Absolutely have fun doing what you're doing. Cause if not, you know, what's the point? Wise words. Um, we should give the Reddit fam a quick what's up because I saw you did a Reddit AMA. I did a do a Reddit AMA ago. a couple years ago. As did I. And I think it sparked in the Reddit community, like this passion for long snappers. So I think you and I together collectively can take credit for that. But Absolutely. What's up, Reddit fan? Um, thanks for taking the time to do this, man. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, man. Hope I hope you guys learned something. And um, if you haven't yet, make sure that uh, you give Nick a follow on Twitter. That's his only social media. Yeah, Babbles I'm sorry, mind, I don't I don't have Instagram or Facebook or any of that stuff. It's worth the it's worth the follow. He has some crazy experiences with birds, but. Um, <laughs> They just like to land on my shoulder. (laughs) It's weird. I don't know. If you haven't yet, please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps the show out. And um, I love having a new audience. I love hearing what you guys think. And I love having you come back every single week.